This week on Dig Me Out. This is the greatest and best song in the world. Tribute. Long time ago, me and my brother Kyle here. With your hosts, Jason Ziak and Tim Minichi. Jay, we're back again with another episode. Thanks to our Dig Me Out Union on Patreon. You can help us make the next episode happen by joining us at dmounion.com or digmeoutunion.com. Jay, it is round table time. It's where we form a table in either a square or circle, depending on how many people are here. I guess it could also we be take a, a diamond square table. Shape. Yeah. We took a square table and then we cut all the corners off. Right, exactly. But not in a like a logical way. Sometimes they're haphazard. Well, we don't measure. No. Nope. <laughs> but this particular round table J is one that has come up in discussions previously, far far back as last year or two years ago when we started having our patrons pick our roundtable topics, we throw out some ideas, but then we also give them a wild card spot where they can they can say, "Hey, my wild card pick is this." And then if the wild card gets the majority of votes, that's what we go with. And in our most recent poll, the wild card came down to two options. We're going to do one this month and one next month of those two patron selected options, and then uh, we'll go with one of our standard yearly series i guess in august because june and july will be our our patron selected so what better than to have the gentleman who picked this particular roundtable join us chris martz welcome back hey thanks for having me again tell everyone our roundtable topic that you put forth to the to the uh board of directors and steering committee at patreon sure my idea was to do an episode on tribute albums of the 90s um because it's something that i never really heard a whole lot about tribute albums until the 90s and they a whole lot of them came out so it'd be pretty cool to go back and just do a little round table about them and we threw it out to our community of uh of folks who have been previous guests people on twitter people on facebook and we're happy to rope in on a Friday night as we're recording this. <laughs> Joe Royland, welcome back to the show. Oh, thank you, guys. Always a pleasure to be here. Now, tribute albums. What are we talking about? This is not just a collection of anybody's songs. Usually these are either artist-centric or they have a specific category or or um theme and when i say that an example would be the saturday morning cartoons tribute album where a bunch of different bands covered saturday morning cartoon songs that would be a tribute to that but again not not artist specific as as opposed to like covering you know black sabbath or the smiths or something like that which we'll get to as i mentioned before we started recording there were quite a lot chris you're right there were well over a hundred different compilations of tributes 
either by individual bands doing like an entire artist themselves or a bunch of different bands all doing one artist or our topic or, or idea, whatever. So this was a pretty uh, fruitful era for tribute releases. And it covers everything, and we'll get into it. But let's start off with sort of just figuring out what works, what, what makes a good tribute record, and uh, maybe give some examples of ones that you think work really well. Chris, I'll start with you since this was your topic. What, what for you, what's one thing that goes into making a really good tribute record, and what would be an example that you would give? Oh, oh boy. Because <laughs> a lot of the examples I have, they're just like a few songs that I pick out from here and there, but like the different styles of music on it can it on a, on a single album like for example one that i don't think works but some of the different styles work on it is the kiss tribute album kiss my ass and i say this because there's maybe three or four songs that i think do really well and one of them is actually the garth brooks cover of hard luck woman um because that song, if, if you're not a Kiss fan, it's uh, it's a ballad that they wrote on for Rock and Roll Over after their huge hit Beth, another acoustic song that Peter Chris sings, but it's, it's a little country-tinged. And so to get Garth Brooks on there uh, to do a version of that where he was like you know, the biggest country singer at the time was just massive. If never I held you, my feelings would never show. I start walking but there's so much that you never know I keep telling you a hard luck woman You ain't a hard luck woman Raise the sailor's only daughter The child of the water Too proud to be a queen And then you also have like Mighty Mighty Boss Tones on that record and uh, a few metal acts doing songs, but just different styles of music all paying tribute to an artist where it might not seem to fit, but if they do a good job, it really works. And that is a, a record that we covered many, many years ago on this podcast. Jay, you're a fan of that release, right? You have some particular favorites. I am. That one. If I remember, yes, you like the dinosaur junior shocker. I do to build on that. You know, I think the the artists featured on the record need to be able to shine with the material that's there, and it sometimes, sometimes maybe even be superior to the original, uh, which is hard to do. I think there's a couple cases on the Kiss My Ass record where uh, I think Dinosaur Junior, for example, like. Going Blind was always kind of a creepy song when you, lyrically, but I think through the lens of Jay Massis, it becomes even creepier, <laughs> um, <laughs> which is hard to do. Uh, you know, so that's one good example. It also, I think, shows a good tribute album shows how the bands were influenced. So I think the Garth Brooks example is good too. Like when Garth Brooks would say he was a Kiss fan, you'd be scratching your head before that covers album, thinking, "I don't understand how that works." But then you hear him do that song, you're like, okay, I get it. Like, mm-hmm. 
that's just totally believable. I understand like what he heard when he heard Kiss. So, you know, that's, I think, a good example of a couple songs that uh, we stand out on that one. Joe, what's what works for you and what's an example uh, of a of what makes a good tribute record? Well, one of the things, too, that I find that's interesting is when you take an artist that was maybe not as well known and get some of the major artists of, of the time or more well-known artists who were fans to cover that artist and maybe expose you to something like my example is one of the earliest tribute albums of the decade, which is uh, where the pyramid meets the eye, a tribute to Roki Erickson. And it's like, I was very, at the time I, I didn't know who Roki Erickson was, uh, but discovered him through listening to like all the covers of songs or others that, that are on this people like ZZ top, John Wesley Harding, uh, you know, primal scream, R.E.M., you know, like that you got some like bigger name bands covering and, and introducing you to Roki Erickson or another one would have been, I mean, in this case, at least I did know who Victoria Williams was, but Sweet Relief, a benefit for Victoria Williams, uh, you know, either she had more or less a cult following, but, you know, you got people like uh, Soul Asylum doing Summer Drugs or Pearl Jam doing Crazy Mary. And that's a case where you have a, a, an artist doing a better version of the song than the original. And, you know, it really raising their profile from it, too. I think that's an interesting uh, aspect, which is uh, well-known bands. It, like you mentioned in the case of Victoria Williams, I would also say like the the more or uh, tribute to Skip Spence. Yes, is another good example where you have uh, you know some an artist who's more of a a fringe or or underground artist, not well known to the general public, and then you get a bunch of bands covering them and those fans are going to, you know, seek out that if they're, especially if they're diehard fans, you know, there's a Afghan wigs cover on that. So I'm obviously going to like, go check it out because I like the Afghan wigs. So I'm going to give it a listen. Um, So that's a really good way for lesser known artists to get a little bit more exposure, especially to if they were from 20 or 30 years ago and there hasn't been any, you know, especially in the nineties when there wasn't, uh, the huge, I guess there was a, maybe a CD reissue, uh, stuff going on of, you know, artists who had only vinyl and cassette, maybe their CDs are getting pressed, but now it would be like a vinyl repressing of old records. And speaking of compilations of, of lesser known bands, one that I like from the, from the nineties is one that came out in 99. And, I think the band grew in popularity long after they were popular or long after they existed, which is the Pixies and um, the where is my mind tribute to the Pixies has a lot of good versions of their songs on that. You get super drag doing wave of mutilation. 
Uh, you get uh, Not a Surf doing an interesting version of the song Where's My Mind. Sensefield doing Caribou. A lot of bands that we've we've talked about. And you can tell that all these bands, whether it's the Get Up Kids or Weezer or Braid, that they listened to the Pixies. You know, a lot of these bands, you can hear the influence of the Pixies on them. So it's cool to hear these bands that were probably kids or, or teenagers when they were listening to the Pixies get, get a chance to interpret some of the songs that they, uh, that they grew up on. And that's not the only Pixies release. There's actually a couple. Um, there's one, I think, which is might be Australian. It came out called Pixies Fucking Die. <laughs> yeah, that's subtle. Uh, but like Blue Bottle Kiss, uh, a band that we've talked about yep. and talked to, they recorded a cover for that. So there's there's a, a number of lesser known bands, which appeared to, a lot of them appeared to be um, non US bands that were on that one. So, but like I said, the Pixies sort of once they reunited and, and now that they're, you know, touring constantly or were um, and putting out records regularly, they, I don't think that that underground status is quite the same as it was. Uh, what are some other examples of compilations that worked really well for you guys? Joe, what, what are some other ones that you uh, revisited and, re- and liked? Uh, one for me, uh, I'll just go with this one off the top of my head is, and it's kind of still, Sort of celebrating a more maybe fringe artist, although very well known. Uh, it's a compilation album called "A Testimonial Dinner," a tribute to the songs of XTC. Uh, this one, I think, this came out like '95. Uh, it has a lot of great artists on it: uh, Freddie Johnson, Space Hog. Um, then it's got people too, you know, like Verve Pipe, the Rembrandts, uh, who do an amazing version of. Geez, <laughs> oh, uh, making plans for Nigel which I like even better than the XTC version, if that's, you know, but, you know, there's also people like, uh, they might be giants, Joe Jackson, uh, you know, and it's all in all, it's, it's a great little compilation of covers, you know, to, to this band. Um, that's, that's one I constantly go back to and listen to probably more than I listen to like XTC albums sometimes, which is saying something. Yeah, I just discovered that in doing research for this episode, and it was really good. Like you mentioned, the Rembrandts was like shockingly good. <laughs> Wasn't yeah. expecting that. <laughs> it's like, I, nor was I, and I was like, this is a really great cover of this song. Jay, what's a uh, what's another example of a of of a um, tribute album they think worked really well for the masses? Uh, tribute to Depeche Mode is one yes. that uh, I enjoy going back to. It it holds up pretty well as a record too. Like even though you got a wide variety of bands, there's something about their material that I think is easy for good bands to be able to kind of wear 
um, and you know keep the integrity of the melodies, but also you know when you strip away the synths, you can really appreciate the songwriting, and then just kind of interpret that with your own presentation. So there's something about the Depeche Mode material, um, and then also the bands they they pick for that. You've got everything from Smashing Pumpkins to you know like Failure covers, awesome. Curious yeah, on there. Um, the Deftone song is really good. So there's just a good wide range of, you know, good artists and um, help me appreciate, I think, the songwriting of Depeche Mode um, by being able to get over the kind of uh, synthetic, you know, keyboard sheen um, and really just hear the songs. So that's one that, that I uh, still enjoy. Do you like the Rammstein cover? <laughs> uh Bromstein's a little uh a little intense for me but <laughs> it was funny in revisiting that and then i revisited um i don't know if you guys checked out the nativity in black tribute to black sabbath oh, yeah yeah um which is actually really good and it has you know a, a, you know obviously mostly heavier bands but um when it got to typo negative covering black the song black sabbath as the closing track i was like what like you took a heavy song and just made it so oppressively heavy and slow yeah it it reminded me of that rammstein like that's that song is my favorite on that album which i was gonna bring up like a whole bunch of black sabbath stuff because like that nativity in black was the first one that came out and the song that always stuck with me was the typo negative track, but it's all the way at the end of the album. And so, you know, most times you're listening to it, you get to that, uh, you know, like a seven, eight minute closing track. That's very slow and doomy almost, but it's, it's so great. They totally make it a typo negative song. Yes. It's just, it's fantastic. I was reminded of how, how upfront his vocals are (laughs) like they are not buried they're very it is amazing how loud but yet how deep uh his vocals are i'm su- i'm surprised we haven't had a have we ever had a typo negative album suggested jay i don't think so oh, that's uh, no i'm kind of surprised uh so chris what's another example of a of a record that works for you as a whole or as close oh, to well, it as possible <laughs> as well um, so going back to, to Black Sabbath, what I did over the years was that, so there was the Nativity in Black, the first one that came out in, was it 94? Yep. And then they did, they did a second edition in 2000, which I know falls a little bit outside of the 90s, but they were trying to market to the, the new metal scene or times that were going on. And uh, so they did another, did another version of it with some different songs. But um, what I really uh, liked the most is, in between them, uh, Hydrahead Records, you know, home of like Converge and Cave In, they did a seven inch series called In These Black Days, where they put out six seven inches of all black of bands just doing Black Sabbath covers. And so, what I would do is I would like, I remember in the late 90s and early 2000s, like I would just make a compilation of different songs from all of these Black Sabbath tributes and make them into like one record of the songs that I really enjoyed. And you know, it's like each of all of the different ones, I have something unique about them. But like the, the in these black days, you know, like Botch doing the wizard, it's they make it really angular in their style. And Kevin just makes NIB really spacey and stuff like that. It's just Black Sabbath, had, they influenced so many different bands that they could 
you know, you, if you brought them all, there's a lot of filler in there, but if you could just bring them all together into one compilation, it would do really well. Now, another uh, thing I noticed was taking artists who were not necessarily considered to be on the cool spectrum in terms of the bands that you, that covered them and then sort of like retroactively making them cool. And a good example of this is the Carpenters. If I were a Carpenter tribute album, which includes a, a really um, like great selection of artists, uh, probably most famously is the cover of Superstar by Sonic Youth because it was used in the movie Juno. But you've got like American Music Club and the Cranberries and Dishwalla, Cheryl Crow, Red Cross, Babes in Toyland, Cracker, Matthew Sweet doing a great cover of Let Me Be the One, um, Grant Lee Buffalo doing a really good cover of We've Only Just Begun. Uh, I love their version of that song. It's fantastic. White lace and promises A kiss for luck and we're on It's a really fantastic collection, and it really speaks to the quality of the songs. And I think, Jay, in the same way that you necessarily didn't connect with the original Depeche Mode uh, songs, but you liked the tribute album, I think I feel the same way about the the Carpenters, whereas I, I would much rather <laughs> listen to this tribute record than actually listen to, to uh, Carpenter songs. I don't know if anybody else had that experience with any of the tributes that, that they listened to uh, or or may yeah. have come across oh definitely but it was more on like a song by song basis perhaps but in but definitely i see what you're saying i i probably would rather throw this on like I, even like i said with the xdc one i like xdc but I'm, i would probably throw on the tribute album more than i would go to reach for an xdc album every now and then or especially with the carpenters i mean i'm not going to just go listen to a carpenters album all the time but right it's cool to kind of hear some of their greatest hits covered by some bands that you do like Right. Yeah. There I think there's a there's a couple examples of that in terms of you know bands or artists that in in some ways like Kiss is a good example that Kiss covers uh, classic Kiss. Kiss wasn't necessarily cool in the 90s. <laughs> well, <laughs> but you have these bands they made their comeback in the 90s. Yeah, but you know, I but think when Kiss My Ass came out like they weren't it, they weren't True. cool. They were yeah. trying to be cool again by saying, hey, guys, right. uh, all these new bands come out and they were influenced by us. So here's them doing our songs. We hope you like us again. And right. you know, it wasn't until two years later when they put the makeup back on where it was like, OK, they're cool again now. So, 
Right. They were definitely using it as a way to test the waters. Yep. And, and sometimes these correspond with bands being paid tribute, kind of doing that. I mean, Sabbath was testing the waters at that time with a reunion. And when Queen re- reunited kind of more formally in the early 2000s, they had the Killer Queen tribute that came out. Like, they're not always like positioned that way, but they sort of, I think when you go back and look at the timelines, they sometimes will correspond with the band being paid tribute, trying to go back out and, and um, you know, be more public. Now, are there examples on the other side where you went back and you were listening to some of these records and you thought something is off here. They didn't, they, whether it was an individual song that threw off the flow of, of what was going on or just the entire record that you thought this is not working at all. Anybody have any examples of that? I do. Okay. Um, <laughs> there is the uh, Duran Duran tribute album uh, that is all basically ska and and you know uh, that type of bands doing people doing ska type covers. There's people who aren't ska bands on here, like Jimmy Eat World and Eve's Plum. Uh, there's a couple songs that work on it, but most of these people like Goldfinger and Bucko Nine and Homegrown, uh, Real Big Fish, Less Than Jake, and so they're all doing like all these ska ska punk versions of Duran Duran songs, which. You're either going to love or you're not. So, uh, and in most of the cases, it's kind of like, yeah, that's interesting, but I don't really think that works. Yeah, that's an interesting selection of artists for that particular <laughs> release. I did find, Jay, you were, this was one that I sent to you, which is the um, Burning London, the class tribute that came out in 1999. There's some interesting stuff on there, but then you have like, the Ice Cube and Mac 10 cover of Should I Stay or Should I Go? Which, yeah. it just doesn't work for me. <laughs> and and I like Ice Cube. I, I'm not gonna uh, diss Ice Cube or anything. But I don't understand what's going on. Like, there's very little relation to, to what that song is and what they actually perform. Um, yeah. I don't, yeah. And it felt and like... they sampled the they sample the original, which to me is kind of a no-no on a tribute album. Yes. But I also felt it's like... like don't, don't just play me the old song. I felt like some I of mean, these they, choices for the, for the artists were pretty obvious. Like, to me, the interesting ones were like... Um, the Straight to Hell cover by Heather Nova and Moby. Like, that was interesting. I thought Clamp Down by Indigo Girls was surprisingly good. Yeah. But they really delivered the like political aspect of that song really well, and it's sort of hearing it more acoustic oriented, but still mm-hmm. percussive. I thought they knocked that one out of the park. Taking off his turban, they said, "Is this man a Jew?" Because they're working for the clampdown. They put up a poster saying, "We're more than you, and we're working for the clampdown." We'll teach our twisted speech to the young believers. Train our blue-eyed men to be young believers. But then, like, having the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones do Rudy Can't Fail. Yeah, that was bad. Like, what? And it j- it's too easy. It is. It's, it's so easy. And he just doesn't sound good singing that. Like, I don't know, he's singing in a different voice, and it's just... 
No good. I also thought the 311 cover. I mean, it's 311. Oh, so. yeah. But, <laughs> that was one of those, like, I have a, I made a big playlist and kind of <clears throat> listening things on random to see what stood, stood out. And when that came on, I was like, who in the world is this? <laughs> like, who is butchering the clash? And I flipped over. I was like, oh, okay. Um, and I see. The one that I was surprised that uh, was better than I remembered is the Encomium tribute to the to Led Zeppelin. Um, mm-hmm. I oh, yeah. I thought it was going to be kind of wishy washy, but listening to it now, I do feel like a lot of these are pretty solid interpretations. Of these, and I probably I, it's probably because I didn't get the David Yao helmet cover or the <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that, I didn't know, I didn't really know who David Yao was in, in 1994 or 1995, whatever, because I wasn't listening to the Jesus Lizard or, or that kind of music then. So I didn't get it, it just was like, well, I and um. So now, you know, I liked the Stone Temple Pilots cover, and I, but now listening to it, I'm, I have a much greater appreciation for, like, what, um, you know, even the Blind Melon cover is pretty solid. Like, th- that, yeah. Shannon Hoon's doing a really good job mm-hmm. with those vocals, and they do a nice take yeah. on that song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I went back and listened to that album this week, and I had the same, I had the same opinion as you did. It's like, because I, I bought it when it came out, and I, I had it for the longest time. And uh, the only songs that I remember really liking were like the Helmet with David Yao one, because I was, you know, I was a huge Jesus Lizard fan back then, and I was like, why is he doing a song with Helmet? That makes no sense, but it actually really worked. Um, but going back and listening to it now, even I have time for the the Hootie and the Blowfish cover. Like maybe you know, back then they were just everywhere, so. You know, and everybody's parents and loved them. So, you know, if you were any sort of counterculture, you did not like Hootie and the Blowfish, you were ashamed to say it. But if you go back and listen to, there's, uh, you know, Hey, Hey, What Can I Do? It's actually really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and like I said, the, I wasn't a fan of Blind Melon back then. And then as I got older and started listening to them, go back and listen to it now. Like, that's a great version of Out on the Tiles really good song yeah even even the four non blondes cover is pretty solid i mean and i'm not a big four non blondes fan so that one's a uh, damn close like performance wise i was really taken aback on that one especially the drums like how close yeah the nailing the bottom style i did notice and i'm sure you guys did too the number of times where you'd see all these names that you recognize, and then there'd be one, and you'd be like, "Who is this? Like, who is this? how yeah. did this band get on this compilation?" Like, for example, on the Encomium, it's Never the Bride. I'm like, "Who are Never the Bride?" And it was because you know it was a label thing where, right? You know, they had a debut record out at the time, so they got a cover stuck on there. And there's a lot of that where I, you know, down at track ten or eleven or twelve. There started to be names that you don't recognize, which made me realize, wow, there are still a lot of bands we have to get to because they all had records out. 
Yeah, like the Kiss My Ass record with Yoshiki at the end. Yeah. What? (laughs) Who? Well, there's also, uh, where was it? Which one was it? Um, I know it's the artist that was doing the cover. Uh, I want to say, was it the, oh, it was the Crash Course for the Ravers, a tribute to the songs of David Bowie. Now, some of these bands we're familiar with, like the Dam Builders and Quasi, um, the Tree People, Capsize 7, which actually did a really good version of Queen Bitch, and I don't think Jane and I liked that record at all. And um, and that was like season one, but they do a good cover. But then they're at, at, at the end of the record, there's like Spurge, Hazel, Ventilator. I'm like, who are these bands? And they, I look and they all have records, like multiple records out in the 90s. I'm like, good God, we have to do all these. We're going to get to all these records eventually. <laughs> King Black Acid. There's also there's a magnetic cover, magnetic fields cover of Heroes on that, which is interesting. And then a Mercury Rev cover. So, they, I mean, there was a definitely a, you know, some more well-known names, but there were a lot of not so well-known names on there as well. Which happens. There's a um, a 95 tribute to Joy Division called A Means to an End, which has, it's, it opens with Girls Against Boys covering She's Lost Control. And then, you know, we've got Moby and Low and Face to Face and Tortoise. And then there's some other ones, like there's a band called Desert Storm. I don't know who does, that's Star Children, which was apparently the side project of Billy Corrigan. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know he had a star, a side project in the 90s. Uh, so then there's a couple other ones. Honeymoon Stitch. Does anybody know who Honeymoon Stitch is? No. That is nope. Dave Navarro, Chad Smith, and Michael Angelos of Plexi. What? Yes, that's what I'm saying. Uh, so that's just like that's just like a one-off song that they did, a one-off I, project they did. I guess so, but like, wh- why? Yeah, which I mean, it goes back to like "Kiss My Ass" with Shandy's Addiction with right uh, Maynard from Tool, Brad and Tom Morello from Rage Against the Machine, and Billy Gould. They just did this one song, and that was it. Yep. There's uh, the um, Jimi Hendrix album, uh, tribute to Jimi Hendrix, Stone Free, where it's sort of the same, where you have like all these known artists like The Cure, Clapton, Spin Doctors, Body Count, Buddy Guy, Jeff Beck and Seal, uh, you know, uh, and then you get, you know, Belly, Living Color, and then you get down to the end and it's M-A-C-C and you're like, what the hell is M-A-C-C? And it's uh, it's Matt Cameron, uh, Chris Cornell, it's, it's Mike McCready. And um, I'm trying to remember who the other one is, but it's basically Temple of the Dog without Eddie Vedder. Jeff Ahmet. But the, Jeff Ahmet, yeah. So it's it's uh, McCready, Ahmet, Cornell, and Cameron. And it, it, because they didn't have like one one other guy who was in Temple of the Dog, instead of saying it's Temple of the Dog, it's like M A C C. But they do a great version of Hey Baby, Land of the New Rising Sun. Yeah, there's probably a whole episode on uh, one-off groups that got together for one song. <laughs> <laughs> right right now as far as tributes go i mentioned that there's tributes to artists but there's also tributes to 
I don't know what to say. Experiences. <laughs> That's not the right word. <laughs> um, I'll give you an example of what I'm thinking about. There is a tribute album called Lounge a Palooza that came out in Sitting 1997. Right <laughs> and this is a bunch of artists covering songs in the style of lounge music. But they don't have to necessarily be new songs or old songs. So it's like, so you've got like, you know, Flea and Jimmy Scott doing a cover of Love Will Keep Us Together. But then you have Steve Lawrence and Edie Gourmet covering Black Hole Sun, which is fantastic. It's just... (laughs) I don't know who hell, who's heard this, but it's and or but then I you have, have it, yeah. Ben Folds covering "She Don't Use Jelly" in this like <laughs> Tropicalia. So what are some other examples uh, that you guys uh, listen to and or or remember that are are records that are uh, focused around a topic or or um a particular uh, I don't know you no know, theme instead of an artist I've got one Okay The Schoolhouse Rocks Rocks uh album which was basically uh, artists of like uh, the nineties, like you know, better than Ezra, uh, yeah, Blind Melon. Let's see who else is on here. Moby, Man of Astro Man, Buffalo Tom, Daniel Johnson, uh, Pavement, Ween, The Lemonheads, Bismarcky, Chavez, all doing songs that appeared on like the little schoolhouse rock segments of the Saturday morning cartoons. So you've got like better than Ezra doing Conjunction Junction, uh, Daniel Johnson doing Unpack Your Adjectives. Buffalo Tom doing lolly 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 get your adverbs here you know so it's all you know it, it's definitely a theme more than a band <laughs> and that was like a came out not longer after the Saturday morning cartoons album right which if you go on Spotify good luck listening to that because the Saturday morning <laughs> cartoons one has like majority of those songs are not available to listen to there's like three songs you can hear. This is mind-boggling at this point why that would be. Just can't get all of the songs. Um a lot a lot of these tribute albums are not available anymore. Yeah. At all. You know, I, for whatever I, reasons. Or you can find those tracks, some of the tracks, but they're recataloged as like B sides from it's a lot of the stuff. Uh, from the bigger bands tended to be reused for something else. And um, I have one other one I was going to mention too. That's pretty cool. It's called shaken and stirred the David Arnold, pro- uh, the David Arnold, James Bond project. So you have this uh, producer, 
DJ mixer guy David Arnold who gets together with a lot of interesting artists to cover songs from Bond movies. So um, you've got like Amy Mann doing Nobody Does It Better, Pulp um, doing All Time High, uh, Chrissy Hine doing Live and Let Die, Iggy Pop doing We Have All the Time in the World, the Propellerheads doing the theme from Honor Majesty's Secret Service. Uh, and it's a pretty cool listen. You know, not something I'd like play all the time but it's kind of neat to throw on now and again any other ones that are theme based that you guys uh recall or listen or enjoyed or listened to that weren't band based no the only other one i you, you've mentioned about the saturday morning cartoon and the uh gloss rocks were the only two that i could think of I do have one other one, but it's it's an interesting thing. It's something I found at a Newberry Comics once and said, I have to buy this just because it looks so cool. And basically, it's called Come On, Feel the Metal. And it's a bunch of Texas bands, uh, some more well-known than others, uh, like you know, like uh, Tripping Daisy or um, a Deep Blue Something, or uh, I'm trying to remember something, Gary, um, the Toadies. And they're all doing covers of like hair metal and classic rock songs and stuff. So you've got like uh, the Toadies doing uh, the Cowboy song by Thin Lizzy. Uh, you know, uh, you've got um, oh, who else here? I'm trying to think. I'm look, trying to look at it. I didn't write all that in my notes, but you know, it's just like um, he blew something. Did a cover of Dio's Rainbow in the Dark. You know, it's just it's it's an interesting <laughs> listen, and it's a two CD set at that. But it, it's just kind of interesting, you know, that some, somebody put this together. I think it was to raise money for something or another. But Oh, yeah, the dual uh, tribute cause. Oh, yeah, Tripping Dizzy did Electric Guy by Judas Priest. So, Wow. <laughs> That's amazing. Any other examples of ones that have worked really well for you guys that you went back and listened to, either on an individual artist basis or as a whole, uh, Chris, other tribute albums that you've enjoyed? Uh, yeah, there's one that I go back to all the time. It's more of like an EP, but it's it's just one band covering one band. Like Coalesce did a, a seven-song EP of all uh, Led Zeppelin songs called There's Nothing New Under the Sun that came out in 99. And Coalesce was always really good about taking cover other band songs and making them their own. Like they did like a get up kids song and totally transferred into Coalesce song and get up kids song on a seven inch. But, but like if I'm going to go back and listen to these seven songs that they Coalesce did for the Zeppelin tribute, like um, they're just, they still just amaze me. And they actually got Matt Pryor from, get up kids to do backup vocals on it so there's some high vocals where uh like sean ingram from coalesce has got his normal guttural scream but it's it's such a fun little ep that they did that i go back and find myself listening to it at least a couple times a year it's it's just amazing i still love that record joe what about you other ones that work well uh, there's a couple of a couple others that um, I'll take out to listen to every now and again. Uh, the John Lennon Working Class Hero tribute. Yeah. Uh, not the, the whole thing doesn't always work for me, but there's quite a few tracks that do. Um, and then the uh, uh, Fire and Skill, Songs of the Jam. That's another pretty good compilation. A lot of good artists on that. Um, 
some more English artists, of course, because you're going to you're covering an English band. But sure. uh, it's got everybody from Bu- Buffalo Tom, Garbage, uh, Ben Harper, Noel Gallagher, and Liam Gallagher, uh, Beastie Boys. You know, it's it's a good listen, especially because I like the jam. So, um, Mike Bond over at our Patreon page, he mentioned some that haven't come up yet. Um, a lot of them that we have, but one that he mentioned was Return of the Grievous Angel, the 1999 tribute to Graham Parsons, which has artists such as the Cowboy Junkies and Juliana Hatfield, Back, Evan Dando, Wilco, Whiskey Town. Uh, anybody heard that one? It's not streaming on uh, Spotify, so that's a little bit harder to get your hands on. Joe, is that among your CDs? That one is not. I know I've heard the Wilco cover. Uh, that they did i don't remember what song it was but it's on one of the like bootleg compilations that people have made over the years Uh, another one that he mentioned is the heaven and hell tribute to velvet underground which came out in 1990 anybody remember that i remember it but i don't have it ah yeah another one that's hard to get it's not streaming it has interesting track list it's actually three volumes that were released separately volume one features bands such as nirvana the uh, buffalo tom james screaming trees and ride volume two features echo and the bunnymen and fatima mansions not a lot of the other artists i've heard of and then volume three is Swerve Driver, 11th Day Dream, Lee Ronaldo, Half Japanese. Um, and that's about as, as I recognize again. But interesting, you know, triple, uh, triple release there. Apparently it was re-released in 2009 with some additional material but as a four disc release. Um, anybody check out or heard the Smiths is dead, which is a very odd um, thing to say. The Smiths is uh, that features such artists as the Boo Radleys, Billy Bragg, placebo therapy, um, Supergrass doing Smiths covers came out in 1996 I remember uh, listening to that, but the, at the time, not being impressed with it. Probably changed my mind if I heard it now, though. Yeah, that's again, that's another one that's not streaming. Um, what else did Mike mention? Uh, let's see. That was his Smiths is Dead. Means to an end. Stone free. And then, oh, Patrick Testa also had some. He mentioned the Twisted Willie uh, tribute to Willie Nelson, which we did an episode on couple years back he mentioned bleaker street greenwich village in the 90s which is basically like a folk tribute features artists such as marshall crenshaw chrissy hine jules Shear, john kale suzanne vega covering 1960s greenwich village songs um he mentioned the lounge of palooza the more or and then there was a songs of jimmy rogers that uh tribute that came out in 1996 which featured Bono, Bob Dylan, Steve Earle, uh, Dwight Yoakam, Jerry Garcia, Van Morrison. A lot of big, a lot of heavy hitters on that one. Of course, Jimmy Rogers is a legendary songwriter, so that makes sense. But that, again, 
a lot of like you said, Jay, a lot of these are not available online, so it's hard to yeah. uh, assess them. So let's go around the room, and I want to ask you guys, uh, as far as these go, what's the what's the tribute album that works best for you, and what what song would you highlight from that record? Joe, I'll start with you. Oh, of course you would. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm, I'm probably going to go back again to that XTC testimonial dinner, and I would pick the Rembrandt's uh, Making Plans for Nigel. Okay. Chris, what's your pick for your for your selection and your song? <laughs> um, wow. I, as far as the album goes, it's something that I would want to listen to the most right now. It would probably be Encomium, honestly. Um, and I still love how crazy, uh, and to think about David Yao existing on the same album as Sheryl Crow and Hootie and the Blowfish is <laughs> still, <laughs> even 25 years later is absolutely ridiculous. So I'll, I'll just say, yeah, custard pie helmet with David Yao and Encomium. All right. Jay, what is your pick for your album and your song? Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go back to where I started. I think the kiss my ass. Um, and I'm gonna go with Dinosaur Junior going blind. Nice. I'm gonna go with the for the masses one, and I will go with the failure cover because that's one of my favorite covers of all time. I think what it they, is so good. Yeah, what they do with that song is just. Which, by the way, as we're recording to this today, Ken Andrews. Uh, revealed that they remastered that song and did some re-recording. Apparently he wasn't happy with the vocals, the way that they turned out. So he has got the tapes and he's gonna, they're just gonna put it out as a you know, streaming it um, in July. So Nice. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I guess yeah, he's had the, time uh... <laughs> since they were supposed to be touring. Well, it's working out for us because uh, i I got the box set. I don't know if you guys did, but I've been listening to those first two records and just amazing how much better they sound remixed. Um, So yeah, I'm, I'm glad that he has some free time and he's using it to, (laughs) to get his catalog straightened out because it's uh, definitely been worth it. I guess that's not the only thing he's been revisiting. He hasn't officially said anything, but I think what we, the next stuff might be the year of the rabbit material. Oh, Oh, I'd love to get that. I'd love to get anything that they did. Yeah. So we'll see. Speaking of Ken Andrews and, and tribute covers, uh, the replicants album, which was like a one-off band and pretty much all covers. Yep. Yes. That's got some really good stuff on it. Um, and I actually, (laughs) I bugged Ken about it in the thread about him redoing, uh, you know, uh, re-recording his vocals. I said, you know, you guys are all sitting at home. You could do another, you could the three of you could do a a replicant style tribute record just from home from the studio there and just put it up on Bandcamp or something, and uh, that would be fun because somebody suggested they cover a um, Duran Duran's uh, Ordinary World. I'm like that would be interesting as a failure cover. It would be. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see what happens. If you're listening to this and you think, hey, you guys forgot this particular uh, tribute record, 
make sure to comment you know in the socials but you can also join us at patreon uh dmo union and dig me out union is where you go we have a discord channel which is like a message board for the 2000s (laughs) 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 and uh you can definitely leave some messages in there about tribute records because that's what uh that's what that's for and uh we'd love to hear it because they're probably some that we missed we need to thank our guests Uh, what what'd you forget i'm trying to remember the name of it uh there was that disney tribute album that came out probably it may have been late 80s though but it had like uh the replacements doing cruella de vil and uh oh something else i'm trying to remember that one well that cruella de vil cover is on a compilation it's on like the um, yeah yeah. All, all or nothing compilation. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't realize that was that, from a tribute record. Huh. Yeah. It was like a Disney tribute album. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. That's why I probably forgot it. Uh, oh yeah, I found I pulled it up. It came out in eighty eight. Looks yeah. like yeah. So. Yeah, when I was doing this too, there were ones I was thinking of that and then I tell like, oh nope, that's two thousand. Oh, that's two thousand. Holy cow, that is an interesting... I gotta track that down. It's called Stay Awake. That's it, yes. And it's got, like... Los <laughs> Lobos, Suzanne Vega, Tom Waits. Yep. Sinead O'Connor, Sun Ra, and his orchestra. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. That's an interesting... Yeah, I want to hear Tom Waits doing a song from Snow Whites and the Seven Dwarfs. <laughs> what the What? Bonnie Raitt with Was Not Was. Huh. Okay. Weird. Very weird. Gentlemen, thanks for coming back and chatting. Chris, thank you for suggesting this topic. Glad we got to get to this. If you guys are up to anything, let us let the people know. What's up with Sit and Spin, Joe? Oh, I'm still trying to get it back up the ground again, but uh, toddlerdom has yes. kept me far too busy. <laughs> As I'm sure, you're, well, your 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 daughter's probably much older now, but um, I'm sure you remember what it was like when they're like four and a half and just need something every ten seconds. Oh yeah, exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> Plus, in the uh, current situation we're in, uh, with like no childcare, my wife and I are pretty much just like tag teaming in and out of work. Uh, you know, we have like one day off together, and then it's like I go to work. You know, while she, she's sleeping while I'm at work and vice versa. <laughs> so it's like, by the time I'm getting up to go to work at 3 a.m. this morning, she'll be coming home. So, Yikes. Well, best of luck. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I good can say. Just good luck. Yeah. You'll get through it. We, we, oh, no. We'll get through it. We got through it and, and um, still trying to catch up on sleep from that period, though. So. Yeah, it's still, still my my Rise app says I'm still in debt by seven years. <laughs> Sorry, man. Sorry yeah, about much, that. Uh, my wife, we figured it out. We're both up about eighteen or nineteen hours a day straight before we get maybe that four or five hours of hopefully uninterrupted sleep. Usually, it's interrupted though. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, Chris, you up to anything? Not much, just uh, on furlough, sitting here waiting for 
live events to start again so I can go back to work. So everybody do your part to please help this pandemic go away. If you haven't seen it by now, the Brainiac documentary Transmissions After Zero is free if you're an Amazon Prime subscriber right now as of recording this. So uh, I sat down with my brother last a uh, couple nights ago and showed it to him for the first time. He thought it was excellent. Um, and then also this weekend, uh, the Shannon Hoon documentary, uh, all I can say is out streaming mm-hmm. for the first time as well. Uh, at all I can say dot oscilloscope.net. I think it's $12 and you have three days to watch it. So yeah, just I'll, I'll be sitting down and watching that this weekend. Um, so just check those out. If you, I'm sure somebody out there listening to this has plenty of time on their hands. So, <laughs> Oh yeah. That's what we rely on people with plenty of time <laughs> on their hands. Um, speaking <laughs> of, if you want some, if you want some more stuff for your time or something along those lines, uh, you can go to our website, digmeoutpodcast.com and sign up for the box newsletter where we deliver uh, updated info on new releases. Both, both. I keep saying both, but it's three things, so it's not both. Mm-hmm. Music, books, movies, stuff that's relevant to '80s and '90s music that's relevant to this podcast. It's listed in there. Go check it out. Lots of stuff is getting released every week. Some of it's just surprisingly showing up at the random days. Not even prepared for it. And uh, we keep track of it all in, in this newsletter. It's a calendar. It's We've got reviews. We've got uh, all kinds of stuff going on there. So you just got to sign up for it. It's the same place where you can go to suggest an album. And where you can go find links to Patreon and also where you can go to find links to Apple Podcasts so you can leave us a nice review there. Uh, That's it. Another one in the books. For Jay, I'm Tim. We're out and we'll be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out. Dig Me Out.